Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we take a look at the latest outlook from Sask Wheat. The Western Wheat Growers express concern about Ottawa's new sustainability consultation plan. We hear from the Saskatchewan government on a similar vein. We hear about a plan to develop rural business by the Shortline Railway Association. And the farm weather's in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. The Western Canadian Wheat Growers is expressing concern over the federal government's new proposed consultation on sustainable agriculture. The federal government says the online consultation period will be open to input until the end of March with the hope of developing a strategy by the end of next year. Wheat Growers Director Jim Wickett is worried the consultations will foreshadow another round of intrusive government regulations that hurt consumers, decrease production and amplify food inflation. Not very optimistic, Jim. Just not. uh, We just don't think it's going to work. Farmers know what's best for their land. And uh, farmers have been improving their operations with no help of the government for the last, since the beginning of time. And uh, we just don't think that this is going to accomplish much more than uh, chew up some more taxpayers' dollars. There are some issues that you see have led to that kind of opinion. It's You're not optimistic this won't work, but outline some of those. Why don't you think it will work? It's very top-down. As anybody, you know, truly in ag knows, you, you can literally drive 40 miles, and something that works in that region will not work in another region. And all this talk about regenerative ag, and you, you try to pin them down to what that actually means, Some of them will get firm and, you know, no chemical, no this. You know, they want to go back to tillage. Well, in west central Saskatchewan, if I tilled my land like I used to the last two years, my farm would have been probably somewhere over the Great Lakes. It would have blown away. So that's what I mean, or we mean by that is is it's a very top-down approach. Uh, They don't want to... I think recognize that. I mean, it's the minister and the department, it's being run by very much a bunch of urban policymakers with zero experience. And uh, in many factors, and many times they've never even been outside the province that they're, they're working in. So everybody uses a sustainable word. 
Everybody uses regenerative. Even the minister, I mean, no one ever asks her, how do you define sustainability? Sustainable, because she's not going to give you an answer to that. She doesn't know. She throws that word around. It's a big fancy word that lots of people love to use right now. But what does it actually mean? And uh, we think farmers have been doing things sustainable for a couple thousand years and, and will continue to do that. Your release talks about also concerns over the voluntary reduced fertilizer use and, of course, the carbon tax. Well, the voluntary aspect, there is times, depending on who you talk to, but most experts that we have talked to say, even the fertilizer industry themselves say, with all the best practices and everything that goes with it, the best they can do is a 15% reduction. This government's looking for 30. The only way they can do that is to cut fertilizer. Now they say it's voluntary, but if you want to participate and say agri-invest, that's, that's one that they did publicly say that they would tie it to. They've kind of back, backtracked that a little bit. But, you know, in talking to provincial ministers and and that in their private meetings, they're tying it to that. They're going to tie it to crop insurance. So if you want, you know, maybe a preferred rate on your crop insurance, you're going to have to reduce your fertilizer. You're going to have to follow all the plans and to participate in the federal programs like AgriInvest and Egg Stability and all those. They'll all be tied to it. And so, you know, is that voluntary? I don't think so. It's kind of gun to the head approach. And, uh, you know, as far as the carbon tax, the guys that we've had crunch numbers, you're looking up, you know, in that 12 to $15 per acre right now is what it's costing. You're looking at a 30% increase. So that's another four bucks an acre that's coming right out of farmer's bottom line. And when they get to their final total, it's going to be $40 an acre. And quite frankly, that's the profit margin lots of times after all the fixed costs and the variable costs are paid, you have a $40 an acre possibly to live off of, and, and that's going to be gone. Jim Wickett farms at Rosetown and is a director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Conexus Credit Union. Building a greener economy on the prairies was an issue in Ottawa this week. On December 6th, the late Jim Carr spoke for what turned out to be the final time in the House of Commons. The Manitoba Liberal MP responded to the passing of his bill, C-235, which aims to build a greener economy on the prairies. The bill, which is now before the Senate, did not pass unanimously. The opposition Tories and others claimed the bill was another example of government overreach into areas of provincial jurisdiction. But the late MP stated that was simply not the case. The characterization of the bill as jurisdictional creep is simply not the case. In fact, the opposite is true. The government of Canada has added leaves to the national table. This is in addition, not subtraction. And it's inclusive, not exclusive. 
But C-235 could face a difficult journey in the upper chamber. One of the speakers during hearings last night was Saskatchewan's Justice Minister, Bronwyn Eyre. She says the province is very concerned about even the title of the bill. Eyre was asked by Manitoba Tory Senator Donald Platt how her province might respond to the bill and others coming down the pike, including the newly released Sustainable Agriculture Strategy announced by Federal Agriculture Minister Babot earlier this week. I'm with you, uh, Minister, in that I believe that uh, our federal government is is overstepping their boundaries and want to play big brother far too often. Your province does not support the bill, neither does mine, Manitoba. Uh, Minister, will the Saskatchewan government participate if asked in the consultations required by the bill? And what levers does the province have at its disposal to push back against a federal government that indeed seems determined to undermine provincial jurisdiction at every opportunity? I suppose in terms of means at our disposal, um, it will be no secret to to senators uh, this, this evening um, about the, the Saskatchewan First Act, uh, which is an attempt to really at its root, certainly a assert um, constitutional jurisdiction um, and ingrain it, if you like, in Saskatchewan's constitution, the parts of the constitution that relate to Saskatchewan. Um, it is the constitution. And so we, we seek honorable partnership in that regard. But as I've mentioned, uh, too often that jurisdiction has been infringed upon. When cooperation is what is put out there as the goal it has to really happen and 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 for example we we see we see this with the sustainable agriculture strategy um and i think it gets to really why there's such cautiousness and skittishness on the part of provinces increasingly to buy into some of these programs we've been told and producers in this province have been told that that it's not mandatory it's about best practices but but just in the last week the federal government released a discussion paper on its sustainable agriculture strategy, and it sounded a lot less optional. And, and I'll, I'll quote from it. One of those approaches, it says, is, quote, regulations amending existing or establishing new regulations that could establish performance standards and or mandate or prohibit use of a specified agricultural practice. And I, I think that's a good example in microcosm of why there is an increasing um, wariness about bills such as um, this one. That's Saskatchewan Justice Minister Bronwyn Eyre speaking to the Senate Agriculture Committee last night. When it comes to the sustainable agriculture strategy announced by the Federal Agriculture Minister this week, Babo was asked this question by a reporter. Do you see there being a need for regulation or potentially legislation supporting or backing up this strategy? Our spirit right now is really to to work in a collaborative manner to put in place incentives to uh, encourage uh, farmers who have not already adopted all the good practices to to jump in and and uh, and, and go uh, you know adopt the, these good practices. Public input on the agriculture strategy is being accepted until the end of. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your RealAgriculture.com update. 
bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Last week in Saskatoon, it was canola week, and Real Agriculture's Kelvin Hepner had a chance to catch up with the father of canola, Mr. Keith Downey, and they chatted not only about the past of the crop, but where the crop is headed into the future. As excited about the future of canola as anyone is Dr. Keith Downey. Are there parallels when you look back on uh, on what's happening now? I know, I know that people often say history repeats itself, and you've been around for the entire history of, of canola. <laughs> Do you see parallels between where we're at right now in this opportunity and, and maybe some of the past op- growth stages in, in canola? Maybe this is putting you on the spot with a tough question. I'm not sure. Well, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see all these extra opportunities that are coming along for the crop. My, my concern is that uh, I feel that canola's almost been uh, too successful for its own good. Uh, that we're growing it too frequently on, uh, on our farms and uh, uh, we're inviting all the diseases and insects to come and have a, a, a very good meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, with the price that uh, is being offered for, for canola, uh, I, I can't fall, fault the, the growers. Uh, if they don't grow it, uh, somebody else is going to come along and buy the farm uh, that has been growing it for uh, too often. So uh, I'm worried. Uh, about the uh, insect pressure and the uh, disease pressure that uh, is being exerted because of that uh, high um, incident of of growing. Um, So uh, I'm hopeful that uh, uh, biotechnology will come to our rescue and and uh, our genetic knowledge is expanding uh, uh, very fast and uh, if we can utilize that in the best way uh, to try and uh, overcome some of these challenges that we have that would be that would be great do you see potential solutions there for flea beetles for example that's been an issue that has certainly escalated the last number of years do you, are, do you see solutions on the horizon for the flea beetle issue well i think flea beetles are a tough one but i think uh, uh, we should be able to uh, uh, should be able to overcome part of that uh, but it's going to be a few years I'm uh, I'm more more concerned I think uh, with the club root and its potential to after all in in Sweden they they had to stop growing uh, rapeseed over there for a number of years to try and get back into production again so uh, I would hate to see that have to uh, occur here in, in Western Canada. So. Do you still get the time to uh, get out to a field or uh, a plot in, in the growing season? 
at this uh, at this stage in your teeth? Yeah, uh, occasionally. My my daughter uh, is on the farm. One of my daughters is on the farm, and and uh, they grow canola. So I I get to see a little bit of it. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm. Uh, living in a, in Ogotoks, a relatively small town, and uh, there's lots of canola all around. So it's it's okay. I don't walk through the crop too often because uh, over the years I've become allergic to the to the pollen. Cool. So, yeah. Again, that's Dr. Keith Downey who turns 96 years old next month, along with Dr. Balder Stephenson at the University of Manitoba, the two of them known as the fathers of canola. Dr. Downey speaking with us at the 2022 Canola Week Conference in Saskatoon. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, 2 to 4 centimeters of snow, wind northwest 30, gusting to 50, temperature falling to minus 12 this afternoon. Tonight, 5 to 10 centimeters of snow, the low minus 14, wind chill near minus 25. Thursday, periods of light snow ending in the afternoon, then cloudy, wind northwest 40, gusting to 60. The high tomorrow, minus 12, the low minus 17. Friday, sunny, the high minus 15, the low minus 21. Saturday, cloudy, the high minus 15, 60% chance of evening flurries, the low minus 22. Sunday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries, the high minus 18, the low minus 25. Monday, sunny, the high minus 23, the low minus 25. Tuesday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries, the high minus 23. Normal high for this date, minus 9, the normal low is minus 20. The sun rose at 8.52 this morning. It sets at 4.55 tonight. And currently, around the province, the hot spot is leader in the west-central part of the province at minus 6. The cold spot up north, Uranium City, at minus 18. Estevan minus 7. Saskatoon, Swift Current, both minus 14. Weyburn minus 9. Yorkton minus 7. Regina, overcast and light snow, it's minus 10 degrees, that's 13 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north-northwest at 33. Humidity is 86%, the barometer falling 102.0. Light snow in Moose Jaw, minus 12, winds are from the west-northwest at 28. Once again, Regina, overcast and light snow, it's minus 10, that's 13 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada. Before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils, maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. 
The Western Canadian Short Line Railway Association is receiving over half a million dollars from Ottawa for a three-year marketing program. Association President Andrew Glastetter of Assiniboia says a million-dollar program will be launched with the help of the federal funds. He says the purpose is to promote industrial and value-added agriculture business development on 18 short-line railways across the three prairie provinces. Well, we put together a program and an application to uh, Prairie's Economic Development Canada for uh, a program of just over a million dollars overall. Is the uh, it's, a, it's a marketing uh, three-year marketing program for the Short Line Railway Association and its uh, 18 uh, Short Line Railway members. And Prairie's Economic Development Canada, we're privileged and honored to to say that they have come back with a commitment uh, contribution of 50 percent of the project funding, so a little over uh, $500,000 over a three-year period that the federal government is going to be investing into short-line railways uh, across Western Canada. And the reason why we did this is, you know, uh, short-line railways over uh, the many years have, have proven to be uh, an important part, really, of the, uh, the overall supply chain uh, in, in Western Canada. Uh, we originate and terminate uh, kind of that first mile and last mile of uh, many freight operations and freight carloads, over 60,000 rail carloads per year just for the, the Western Canadian, just for our members. Um, and in doing that, uh, we are helping to be efficient and provide great service within the rural communities that most of our short lines operate. And uh, also we are uh, a bonus to the environment. Uh, anytime you can move something by rail versus uh, where a lot of the traffic is moving by heavy truck in our rural communities these days, whether it's grain or, or crude oil. Anytime you move it by rail versus truck, you are, uh, you know, you have a three times, we're three times more uh, fuel efficient. Uh, so you have less uh, of a carbon footprint, less uh, greenhouse gas emissions. You also have, obviously, less uh, beating up of uh, the road network, so less uh, tax dollars are required uh, for maintaining the uh, road highways, uh, whereas a rail car load, uh, rail car can move uh, up to, about, you know, the same traffic that, that, you know, taking as many as three trucks off the road potentially. So we we know where we fit in with the supply chain, and, and we have been getting some great uh, attention from uh, levels of government, the provincial and federal level. Uh, with understanding our role and, and uh, how we, we can help with the efficiency and service. Uh, we offer more of a boutique-style service to our shippers. We can handle the, the large, efficient trains at interchange with no problem. We can also handle those smaller, more boutique-style, kind of tailored moves that a lot of our, uh, our customers are, are looking for. So we have a high-level customer satisfaction in those areas. The one thing short lines have not been the greatest at really over the years is uh, tuning their own horn and, and doing the marketing and getting the, the word out there uh, to really communicate and educate uh, the public and potential shippers on how exactly how reliable we are. You know, we're here to stay, uh, how you know, much we can contribute to the environment, contribute to uh, local employment, and uh, contribute to generally to service and, and efficiency for our shippers to get their products to market uh, and out around the world. So this is a program that's going to help us uh, uh, get some really good bang for our buck uh, at the, the association level, first of all, where we can help... Uh, uh, you know, uh, communicate uh, our different short lines and, and kind of put them on the pedestal and highlight them and, and bring them uh, to the attention of the public and the shipping community. And also uh, the second and third phase is going to be, uh, you know, program around kind of branding and, and social media and website development and, and general marketing, uh, marketing uh, skills, techniques 
that we can work with each of our short lines on a one-on-one basis with some professional assistance, just really to get the name out there. We know what we're good at, and we just want to make sure we can uh, let potential shippers know, uh, you know, we're out there and how we can help them. And, and the ultimate goal is to bring more businesses or expand the businesses that are currently on the short lines to uh, attract more uh, industry uh, and uh, economics within the rural communities that we serve. So we are very excited about this. What kind of business expansion are you hoping for? Well, we have, uh, our goal is uh, to impact at least 36 over three years, at least 36 either created new uh, business opportunities on short lines, perhaps uh, grain terminals, some of the grain terminals that have been encouraged over the years to build their large terminals on the main line. Uh, we have some ideas of uh, concepts of reaching out to grain uh, companies to do that on the short line system necessarily as the, the main line system was getting pretty uh, pretty congested with the mainline terminals along the mainline. So uh, either grain terminals, we have also uh, some of our operations are involved in the energy industry, uh, shipping whether it's uh, crude products, energy products, uh, butane, propane, uh, for example, like they have, uh, they've got a brand new facility up on the Great Sand Hills Railway where they're doing thousands of carloads a year of uh, energy project uh, products coming off that line. So either new new facilities or expansions, we may have some mid, you know, smaller to mid-sized grain terminals along our line that are looking to take advantage of unit train freight rates. You know, if they could put out 100, 130 cars or so instead of, you know, 20 cars a week or 40 cars a week, if they can build an entire unit train, they get some pretty significant freight savings. Uh, that could involve but them expanding their facilities by, you know, extra storage space or extra loading capacity. Um, we can certainly help out on our end, maybe with extra track uh, capacity uh, to make that happen. So either new businesses or expanding businesses, and, and uh, a lot of the focus will be in the agriculture uh, and the energy industry areas, but any other industrial development that we can get behind uh, uh, we'll certainly do that, and we think uh, the marketing and, and this approach to really get our name out there and, and uh, let people know uh, what we can do and, and how effective we can be, uh, we're, we're looking forward to, to building business in uh, rural uh, Western Canada. Andrew Glass-Tedder of Assiniboia is the president of the Western Canadian Shortline Railway Association. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. The latest Sasqueak market outlook says wheat bids in Saskatchewan are ranging from $11.15 to $11.70 per bushel, depending on location and delivery period, with feed wheat at $10 to $10.50 a bushel. Market analyst Marlena Borsch says markets are turning quiet as the holiday season approaches. Egypt and the agency GASC continue to buy volume Russian wheat in private deals, and the U.S. weekly wheat sales of 190,000 tons were disappointing and at the bottom of trade gases. So to continue by major wheat origin, starting with Canada, March 23, Minneapolis hardware spring wheat closed at 9.01, as mentioned, that was down 20 cents on the week. Managed money firms were selling short spring wheat through the week and expanded their net short by 1,619 contracts to 3,048 contracts as of December 6th. Regarding the Canadian export performance, Canadian wheat exports have been decent, though given the recovery in crop size this year, we would like to see more aggressiveness by exporters in the markets. 
Another 303,000 tons of wheat was exported in week 18 for a season total of 6.7 million tons. The average weekly export pace is 373,000, which is above the 340,000 per week needed to meet the agriculture and agri-food estimate for exports of 18.3 million tons. At the current pace, we would export 19.4 million of wheat, which is closer to our own estimate. But supplies could easily accommodate 20 and a half or 21 million tons of wheat exports. We think that cash prices in the Middle East will continue to be led by Russia and by developments in the Ukraine into the new year. Russian cash prices remain lower than those of other exporters, but hardware winter values are getting closer to trade. We would wait with new sales until the new year now. Regarding Durham, again, the StatScan production number for Durham of 5.4 million tons last week was smaller than expected. The trade was still looking for 5.9 million tons. Spot Durham bits have more or less remained even at 13.5 to 13.75 per bushel delivered elevator. However, we are moving into the holiday period and elevators do not want to carry extra inventory into the new year. Similarly, Durham prices posted in Italy, in Bologna, dropped by 5 euros per ton to 475 euros per ton last week. This market remains hard to read. But as we saw last year, once the U.S. buyers backed off from the Canadian market, prices tend to take a step back on the Canadian side as well. We are a little bit concerned about this market and will keep an eye to getting more sold when the opportunity arises in the new year. Regarding the U.S., we already mentioned the USDA report. USDA did not change the 22-23 U.S. outlook for wheat. Um, there was only a slight increase in export volume for hard red spring and soft white wheat, which was offset by a reduction in soft red winter exports. USDA expects U.S. wheat futures to ease slightly. Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting compiled this week's market report for the Sask Wheat website. I was honored and humbled yesterday to be in a ceremony at Government House to receive a Queen's Platinum Jubilee Medal from Lieutenant Governor Russ Morasti. There were about two dozen agricultural leaders honored at the 4 p.m. ceremony, nominated by the province's Minister of Agriculture. In total, 7,000 medals will be presented to Saskatchewan residents. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. And Farm Fresh Water, they'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Grain prices were showing downward movement. Viterra prices for canola fell 50 cents at 831.42. Number one red spring wheat dropped 454 at 411.69. The rest were unchanged. Durham 496.28. Feed barley 352.87. Chickpeas 925.95. Flax 682.98. Lentils 752.50. Oats, 254.32, yellow peas, 476.89, and feed wheat, 289.56. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for March fell 9 and 3 quarter cents at 9.13. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source, 620 CKRM.
The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock, 842-4574. Now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of December 13th. Our last regular sale was on December 7th. D1 and D2 cows sold from 75 cents to 90 cents. D3 cows sold from 65 cents to 75 cents. Canner cows sold from 45 cents to 60 cents. Good heifer sold from $1.30 to $1.60. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.15 to $1.35. We had a bred cow sale on December 9th. Good young dispersal cows sold from 15 to 1800 medium dis- dispersal cows sold for 1300 to 1500 non-dispersals were butcher price we had a pre-sorted calf sale on december 5th 300 to 400 pound steers averaged two dollars and 88 cents and sold up to three dollars and 21 cents 400 to 450 pound steers averaged two dollars and 89 cents and sold up to three dollars and 16 cents 450 to 500 pound steers averaged two dollars and 85 cents and sold up to three dollars and 16 cents 500 to 550 pound steers averaged two dollars and 75 cents and sold up to three dollars and six cents 550 to 600 pound steers averaged two dollars and 62 cents and sold up to two dollars and 89 cents 600 to 650 pound steers averaged two dollars and 56 cents and sold up to two dollars and 72 cents 650 to 700 pound steers averaged two dollars and 51 cents and sold up to two dollars and 61 cents and 700 to 800 pound steers averaged two dollars and 37 cents and sold up to two dollars and 52 cents heifers were about 40 to 45 cents back from the steers this has been stephanie dig reporting from the weyburn livestock exchange the market that gets the cattle and the prices too and the latest saskatchewan pork prices this is both branded moose jaw plants 20235 per ckg coming up the this is the Saskatchewan Resource Reports on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. British banking giant HSBC announced today it will no longer finance new oil and gas fields as part of its updated climate strategy. But the bank added it would still give finance to current projects in line with current demand. It would also continue to provide finance and advisory services to energy sector clients, but will assess the company's plans to transition to clean energy. Climate campaigners welcomed the move, saying HSBC provided a new baseline for other major banks, but urged the bank to go further. On the markets today, the TSX has risen 29 points to 20,053. The Dow has risen 215 points to 34,324. Oil has gone up $1.95 at 77.34 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 73.70 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.